Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Kong Son with Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. Recording this on a Tuesday evening, March 31st. Uh, this is a place where you can get a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams, especially our Aztecs. Do you believe? On this episode, we're going to introduce the incoming class for both the men and women's team and give you reasons why this is an exciting group of commits or recruits or whatever the verbiage is. So without further ado, here we go. As always, if you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Feel free to drop a comment there and uh, mention what you like about that, what you like about this show. Probably won't say that I could talk, but nevertheless, here we go. We're going to start off with the men's team who have three recruits coming in for the upcoming year. We're going to go ahead and start with Lamont Butler, a four-star recruit per ESPN. He's a 5'10 point guard from Riverside, just up the coast or up the 15 freeway. Um, he's definitely built with a strong frame. He, he's got some muscle on him, and it definitely shows in terms of how he plays. He's a guy who likes to get to the paint to either make plays for himself or his teammates. Uh, some of his gameplay tapes and films, and I just keep referring to these old uh, old verbiages. Um, sometimes he dribbles a bit too high or away from his body at times, and I feel like he's got to tighten up the handle a little bit, but this is he's a 17-year-old kid. I mean, this stuff is typical and it's not out of the ordinary or any cause for concern. He seems to always look for his teammates first before trying to find his own shot. Um, there aren't too many highlights or game film out there that really shows what he can do on the perimeter. What it does show, however, is that he's always looking to make the right play. He's tough. He's hard nosed. He's willing to take contact and finish He's not afraid of big bodies. He's not afraid to mix it up with the trees. And he can get into the paint with relative ease. And I think that's somebody who is your prototypical Aztec point guard. And I think that you're going to see him really make his mark on the team in his sophomore slash junior year. I imagine his freshman year, he'll be doing a lot of learning and sort of uh Whatever he's good at will be better and, and start to tighten up the things that he's not as good at. But this is definitely a great start. And I'm definitely excited to see what he could do, especially if he's able to knock down shots from the outside consistently. We're just getting an, another four years of a guy like KJ. And that guy won Defensive Player of the Year uh, in the conference. So, I mean, the, the, the sky is the limit for him. Um, we're going to move forward to Che Evans. He's actually the guy of the three that I would say I'm excited about the most. And a lot of it has to do with just his monstrous potential. He's only a three-star recruit per ESPN. He's a six foot five forward from Baltimore. And what got me curious was 
three-star recruits, typically you're seeing um, offer letters or visits with teams like San Diego State, teams like Loyola Marymount, St. Mary's. But you look at the list of schools that he's gotten offers from, Boston College, Georgetown, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Ole Miss, Penn State, St. John's, TCU, UNLV. And you really have to ask yourself, like, what what made him just a three-star and he's getting all these looks from these top schools? So I found an article from The Undefeated back in 2016, and he was a then 15-year-old, and he already spoke like he wanted to be the next great player out of Baltimore. And he mentioned sort of having talks with guys like Rudy Gay. He knows that, you know, Carmelo Anthony had a phenomenal college year as a freshman. And you sense the definite chip on his shoulder that he has, that he brings to the table. And that's something you, you really love to see. It is definitely an intangible skill that not every player has. And at the time, he was rated the top freshman. So there is a middle school circuit slash tournament that Chris Paul it has his name all over. And at the end of that, heading into his eighth grade year, he was rated the top player in his class and did some more digging. And what happened in his senior year is he transferred schools for his senior year. So he had to sit out the travel season, which I imagine it's tied into his AU team as opposed to the high school team. So that really affected his ranking, quote unquote. And we all know that these rankings are not an exact science. So despite being only rated three stars, this guy has enormous potential. He's six foot five. He's physical. He doesn't move as fluid as I would like, but that's, I think, something that can really ha- get better with time and just with continuous conditioning. Being in a college facility is only going to increase his mobility and his dexterity and his, um, what am I trying to say? He's going to definitely be more fluid. He chose SDSU for the chance to start right away in its reputation. And that's what really stood out for me was... Typically, San Diego State will get a great prospect or a prospect that we recruit that ends up being an all-time player for the school once every 10 years. I mean, if you think back to Kawhi, right before Kawhi, it was, um, I think, the most prominent San Diego State player was Brandon Heath, and that was in the late 2000s. And then before that, it was... I mean, you have to, I think it's back to the late nineties, early two thousands. See you, it historically speaking, San Diego state rarely got, I mean, it literally was a once in a generation type of athlete, but you have Brandon Heath, you have Kawhi, then you had guys like Jamal Franklin and Xavier Thames, and you had, uh, Jalen McDaniels or Jaden McDaniels, one of the McDaniels brothers is now in the NBA and you're slowly getting these top-level talent more consistently. And now it's getting to a point where San Diego State basketball has a reputation and it's even reached to somebody, reached out to somebody that's in Baltimore. So I can only imagine 
with the recent success with guys like Malachi transferring into San Diego State to really show what another school missed out on, somebody like Che, if he then becomes this next guy who helps carry the torch as a great Aztec, it the potential is enormous. And I think we can expect a higher, a more consistently higher rated class year in and year out. And where I expect Lamont to contribute um, starting in his sophomore, junior year, Che with his potential should be given the opportunity to contribute right away with the potential to start. Just depends on how his training camp is, how he takes care of his body this summer and the skills that he helps define or refine um, this offseason. But Che, definitely keep an eye out for him. Definitely have high hopes for him, and I'm very optimistic on that kid. Um, and I'm rounding out the, the immense uh, recruiting class with a guy by the name of Keith Dinwiddie. Now, per ESPN, he's unranked. He's a 62 guard from here in Los Angeles. Um, ironically, not related to Spencer Dinwiddie, which was one of the first things that came up in my mind. But his tape just does not lie. He is what we call a certified bucket getter. He just gets buckets. And for those who may not be familiar with the landscape of high school basketball in Los Angeles, but Fairfax versus Westchester is one of the most, is one of the longest and most heated high school rivalries on the basketball court. And even in those moments, Keith just did not shy away. And that, again, is an intangible that you cannot teach. He loved the limelight. He demanded the ball. He wants to make his mark on every single possession. And a guy like that, despite being unranked, still got recruited from schools like San Diego State, TCU, UC Santa Barbara, Wake Forest, Washington State. So you know that the Aztecs are getting somebody great here. And he likes to play on outside on the perimeter. He's got a, a decent jump shot. Um, I think he uses his legs a little bit. So I'm curious to see how his jumpers are throughout the course of an entire college level game. And if he tweaks it a little bit to be a little less on the legs. But then again, you just don't know. I mean, like everybody's body type is different, but that's just one thing that stood out for me. And the really, the theme that I get from the, the men's class is just that they all sort of complement each other. I mean, I started out with Lamont, a guy who likes to share the ball, attack the rim. Then I moved on to a guy like Che, who's a wing player and loves to run up and down and attack the rim and just be a physical imposing force. And then you round that out with a guy like Keith, who likes to shoot and play in the perimeter. And you have these compliments. You have these three guys. You look their uh, profiles up on social media, especially Twitter, and you're seeing them already share videos and retweet um, highlights about each other. So you're already getting this chemistry. Each of these guys have a dog in them, have a fight in them. And I'm really excited for the potential of these guys, not just next year, but for the years to come. I mean, it's it's we're going to expect a drop off because it's really tough to be better than the best start in almost a hundred years. But I don't think it's as severe of a drop off than what people are 
touting it to be. I mean, these guys have a lot of potential. And with college basketball, there's definitely a lot of um, chance in the sense that freshmen can really make their impact when given the right opportunity at the right time, coached the right way. And I have full faith in that coaching staff with Coach Dutch. And that optimism and that hope certainly doesn't stop with uh, as we transfer over to the women's team. Uh, obviously, they didn't have as great of a season as the, the men did this season, but there's still a lot of reason for hope and optimism and a definitely an expectation of improvement into the 2021 season. And the reason primarily starts with Asia Avenger, Avenger, sorry about that, but definitely a four-star recruit for ESPN. She's a 5'7 point guard um, out in Anaheim, California. Strong frame. She makes plays. She attacks the rim at will. She was the Orange County Registers Girls Basketball Player of the Year this year. And some of her highlights is just that. She can get to the paint as easily as she wants. She can read the court. She's able to mix up the arrays in which she can attack the rim, up and unders, finger rolls, reverses, floaters, just really bump into somebody and you know, push them out the way, so to speak. And that ability is is so crucial in a point guard that can initiate the offense. And um, there was a tape or there's a, a video of her and her high school and her high school coach. And he mentioned sort of her smarts and her IQ is such that they don't necessarily need to call plays because Asia is able to read the court and make the right play every time. And in today's game, there's a lot of transition, a lot of back and forth. So to have somebody as headstrong and as smart as Asia on the court, um, I definitely expect her to make an impact. I Just with Sofia Ramos, since a lot of the girls who are coming back, including transfers, Next season, I, I don't genuinely know um, sort of where her role is this season, but she's definitely going to be given a chance. I mean, somebody of her talent, she's certainly rated as one of the top recruits in the entire country. She's going to be given a chance, um, but she definitely will have a role, you know, sophomore, junior year. So definitely excited about Asia. And... To kind of build on that, there is also a six foot six foot guard forward, uh, Kimberly Villa Lobos, who already plays on the El Salvadorian national team. If that doesn't sell you already enough as a high school player, then she did play on the same AU team as Asia, so the chemistry is already there, and she's sort of recruited or seen as a Swiss Army knife, a do it all player on the floor can shoot, can pass, can dribble, can rebound, can defend. And somebody who is six feet tall can definitely wreak some habit on the defensive end of the court and help support any rebounding, whether it's offensively or defensively, and mix it up there to uh, hold other teams to just one possession at a time. Um, to Not only do we have somebody who at 
age of 17 playing for the national team and her stats are incredible in national play that she already knows how to play with a point guard that's coming in who's sort of got next is incredible that chemistry is something you can't teach you know you generally wait for somebody like Sophia and Taylor to build that chemistry uh, as a year goes on and into year two but you're having that from the start and that's going to be incredible and definitely invaluable for us and third on the list is Flo Venerte 624 from Latvia she ended her high school season or high school career as the 45th best prospect in the country per max preps she has a more of an inside out game um, but she's able to knock down the three which is going to help stretch the floor and again open up lanes for point guards like asia and sophia and she definitely versatile versatility seems to be the theme with the recruits on the women's side that each player brings a, a significant or a specific uh, skill or trait on the court, but that doesn't mean that those girls can, can't do other things. And a prime example is the fourth and final recruit, Kamaria Gibson, a 6'3 center from Texas, who is, I don't know if you guys remember those, um, draft tapes that played when Giannis got drafted uh, back in 2011, I think. And you saw him sort of being the tallest guy amongst all these what looked like middle school kids. Um, that's what Kamaria's uh, mixtape looks like, a 6'3 center. She played volleyball in high school also, so she knows really how to track the ball in the air. She was grabbing every rebound, blocking almost every shot, and she just can really dominate i think there was she was selected as player of the week once after dropping 50 points in a game so she has these presence and the experience of being the focal point and being the dominator on the court um that's not to say that you know i noticed a few other things and i'm wondering if there's uh, it's related to just being able to play at such a high level compared to the rest of the field that there are moments of carelessness with her i've seen her miss some box out i've seen her get stripped after a rebound because she just brings the ball too low um and i'm just curious i mean when you're if you think that if you are a d1 level prospect in high school you are a an adult amongst children and when you're you know, a professional league prospect in college, the discrepancy between that and another college player isn't as great. So I'm curious to see how the how her skills translate on the hardwood um, at the Mesa. I'm definitely excited. And one thing that really stood out to me when watching her was just sort of the evolution of the game and how we got to this point and how quickly it turned. When I was at San Diego State in 2010, there was a girl by the name of Paris Johnson and Jessica Bradley who were six foot five post players with tremendous post presence. Up and unders, dream shakes, turnarounds, baby hooks, um, elbow jumpers, you know, one two dribble, 
what Shaq liked to call the boom, boom move where you just put your butt on the opponent and just spin and knock them out of the way. And we went from that type of skill set and that mold of a post player to now somebody like Mario who does have those moves to a certain extent, but also can play outside. And we saw it on both sides, on both teams when it comes to that in terms of like Yanni on the men's side. And now we're going to see it with Flo and Kamaria on the women's side. The ability for all five players to stretch the floor almost is a necessity now. And it's really much more difficult to play a style of play nowadays if you have your stereotypical post player who doesn't really shoot outside of 15 to 18 feet. And it's really interesting just because, you know, back in the day, Paris and Jessica made such a huge impact in their ability to suck the defense in, to kick the ball out to other girls for open jumpers. And now she can do that, but now she can also be the recipient of that. I mean, that means somebody like Asia or Kimberly, a guard can be in the post and you can really mix and match and interchange players at different parts of the court which really opens up the playbook where, you know, just a decade ago, you had to dedicate, okay, these group of girls are going to be on these spots on the floor while these group of girls can be on these other spots of the floor, but we can't have them mix and match in a certain way because of their skill set. Where now it's just sort of, obviously you have your primary ball handler, but you're not as concerned or worried if, your post player is out on the perimeter. Just a really interesting thought that came up as I was sort of doing the research for this episode. Um, but I'm definitely excited about this recruiting class. I'm very used to, as an Aztec, you're used to just sort of one out of the three to four to five recruits how to have the potential to start and contribute and have a a prominent and exceptional career and the others you have i wouldn't say low hopes but you understand that the chances are they will have a a nice career definitely in college basketball but you just don't know if they'll be that person that the number one scoring option or the number one defender or the the top this or the top that but when I do research on these seven recruits, you see that they have the ability to be exceptional at different facets of the game. And certain players have the potential to be just exceptional, period. So definitely a reason for optimism and a reason for excitement for uh, seasons to come. And I'm sure that Everybody on both coaching staffs are just super excited about the plays that they can draw and the the game plans that they can really plan out for the upcoming seasons. Um, If you like the show, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. We're available wherever podcasts can be found. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. So if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us there. Again, I'm your host, Kong Sun Kim. I'm available at Instagram. Why do I keep dating myself? I'm on Instagram at N-A-S-G-N-A-K. 
And until next time, go Aztecs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.